The world is weird. Existing is weird. Magic is weird. This is a place for a witch to ramble about her personal experiences, opinions, and what you want to hear. Welcome to Weird Witch Talks. Hello, my darlings, and welcome back to another episode of Weird Witch Talks. If I sound a little strange today, it's because I am shooting at two in the- Shooting? Recording? You can't see me. It's recording. I'm recording at two in the goddamn morning in my, like, little weird garagey type area. It's not actually garage. It used to be a garage. Long story that has nothing to do with the podcast. Um, and I'm late, so I figured I'd record it super early and get it to my partner who does all of my sound editing as early as fucking possible, honestly. So... Some of you have been wondering where I've been, whether or not I've died, what's going on. So, first and foremost, um, I'm trying to use Twitter less, and Tumblr, and Facebook, and all those other things that we like to use as a distraction so that I can read more, and learn more, and study more, and have more content for y'all, and more witchcraft to do for me. Because it turns out, thoroughly researching a topic every two weeks is difficult. And I know a lot about a lot of stuff, but I always go through and I go through my notes and I go through my research and I go through my books as if I'm researching anew every single time. I'm also, TMI real quick, on my period for the first time in a long time. I had a thing in my arm that made that not happen for about three years. And I'm just like, yeah, it's weird and awful and I keep losing track of time. It's bad. It's painful. It's the worst. I'm okay. Uh, yeah. So if every now and again I'm just super off kilter and late, assume it's because my abdomen feels like I'm being stabbed repeatedly. Sorry you had to know that, but now you do. Yay, my darlings. Okay, so I did an amazing thing in between podcast episodes that was frankly wonderful, and I kind of halfway mentioned it last episode, And that was, I went to my first academic pagan convention. My first pagan convention, period, actually. And, like, my fourth non-cattle and plant-related convention ever. I grew up in the South on a ranch. I've been to so many timber growers and Texas Cattle Association meeting conventions, selling things. It's not even funny. They're not as fun as other things do. There's usually videos of things being slaughtered, which are fun if you're into that kind of thing. Not so fun if you're four and crying under a table. Anyway, moving on. So, I went to a convention called Mystic South for a weekend, and it was fucking incredible. Honestly, there were amazing people, I got some skulls, and I'll be honest, I went to... It was... So, so when I say the words pagan conference, I've said this, I've talked about this to a few people, and the question I've gotten most from my real-life friends and companions is, was it a shopping thing? No. It was not a shopping thing. There was a vendor's hall, but it was removed from the academia. Um, None of the people I saw, um, I mostly saw things by Morgan Daimler, whom I love, and the the anomalous Thracian, who is frickin' cool and whose name I have trouble saying. Yeah, I I kind of went to things that were by them, just like, exclusively. Because when I find people with good ideas, I kind of follow them around convention halls like a terrifying puppy. And then I harass them for hours. It's great. Um, So I mostly saw that. And I also saw a really interesting talk on weather patterns by a a physics professor. 
um, who also has a podcast, which I will look up later and link below so that you can go and check her out because we need more academics in paganism. Um, I have a personal issue. Actually, I'm going to look it up, and at the end of the podcast, I will put Morgan, the Thracian, and the physics ladies' just information at the end so that you guys can go check all their stuff out because you need to. Um, Morgan, if you don't know, Morgan Daimler is, like, amazing woman who I kind of want to be when I grow up a little bit, because clearly I'm not an adult yet. I'm almost 23 and I'm not a grown-up, and probably never will be, regardless. Um, Morgan Daimler writes about fairies in a way that makes my head not want to explode and bleed all over the place. I, unfortunately, did not get to see talks by my friend John Beckett, but he was there. You should check him out. You should buy his book. John Beckett, J-O-H-N-B-E-C-K-E-T-T, who might be listening right now. Hi, John. Go buy his book from his website. He's really cool. If you're into reconstructing Druidism um, and forestry and spirituality in, like, a really, I guess, I'm not going to say gentle way, but in, like, a, a straightforward manner that isn't trying to trick you into anything, John Beckett's a great person to read about. He also has um, a blog, and I will add the link to that uh, in the description of this episode, too, um, or and or tack it on at the end of things. He talks a lot about things that I that should be general knowledge but are not necessarily, and he does it in a really educational, easy-to-consume way. 10 out of 10, read John Beckett's stuff. He's super cool. Back to Morgan Daimler. My real mother, not actually, I wish, but not actually. Man, that's a creepy thing to say now that I know her in person and she might hear this. Crap. (laughs) Hi, Morgan. Crap. Anyway, she writes a lot of amazing books about fairies and fairy craft and the Norse gods because she's involved in that too, because of course, um, and books about, um, I'm going to say Irish polytheism because... I slip up sometimes and say Celtic polytheism. That's not correct, so squirt bottle me if you hear me saying Celtic polytheism. Guys, it's a bad habit I've been trying to break for a long time. Um, but she writes a lot about that kind of stuff, uh, and her books are really good. Really well, res- well, They're well-researched. They're fun to read. Um, and if you look up Morgan Daimler, M-O-R-G-A-N-D-A-I-M-L-E-R, on the internet, you can find her books. Um, I believe you can buy them from her website, I'm not certain. You might have to buy them from Amazon, and I know Amazon, bleh. But I think you should support these really cool, 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 bleh, these really cool two pagan authors. I'm sorry about all the blah, blah, blahs today. I'm super excited whenever I talk about meeting other pagan academics who are actually academic about things and do a lot of research and don't just pull things out of their ass, like the person who wrote about the ancient Irish potato goddess. That's not a thing. Potatoes are a new world food. A new world tuber, even. There is isn't. There is no ancient Irish potato goddess. If that is the case, it is some goddess playing a prank on the entirety of Ireland. Or she's not real. She's not, she's not real is the answer. The, the ancient Irish potato goddess is not a thing. And if you think she is, I think you should read some history books. And I'm so sorry you've been lied to, my friend. I hope this isn't a rude awakening for you, theoretical straw person who I'm chiding. Um, so if any of you live near enough to Atlanta, Georgia to go next year, I'm pretty sure it's going to be there next year. If it's not, I'm going to make another podcast because I'm going to be buying my tickets as soon as it goes on sale next year because I'm hands down going. 
please go. Please check this out. Um, I drove from Texas there. It was like a 12-hour trip. If you can't, it's okay. I will try and... I might even try and do like a day-by-day recap special something next year just because I like this so much. And a lot of young pagan people, I feel, don't get that sense of in-real-life community that we kind of, I think we need. Um, and there was a lot of exposure to a lot more diverse cultures than you might get on the internet. And yeah, I know it's a weird thing to say, but I met Wiccans, I met traditional witches, I met animists, I met druids, I met like atheistic weird semi-pagans. There were a few Buddhist people there. And yeah, there were a few people whose beliefs and ideas made me want to yell at them, but I didn't. So that tells you how good of a convention it was. I didn't, I wanted to keep my uh, polite tongue in my mouth long enough that I wouldn't get kicked out, which is not usually true with places that I hate. I also bought a really cool broom, and that was awesome. At the, yeah, at the end of this episode, I'm going to like gather all of the crap I bought and tell you who I bought it from, because it's all small businesses. Um, it's all small creators from either from the Georgia area or from the South. Um, like You should buy them. They're local. Everyone's pretty cool. Um, I wanted to buy crow's feet and I didn't get to, but next year, if they have, there were these beautiful things. God, I'm just kind of going off on tangents right now because I'm so excited and happy that this was a thing that happened to me. So Mystic South, check it out. John Beckett, buy his books. Morgan Daimler, read her books, read both of their blogs. I'll talk about them more at the very end. Um, yeah, I'm using this as a hook to plug people I know. Ha ha ha. I can't quite plug the Thracian as much as I can because his blog hasn't updated since 2014, but the Thracian's super cool, and if you ever get to meet the Thracian, then you should say hi, because the Thracian's super cool. Okay, so that's my, I went to a cool thing a few weeks ago, uh, rant, so I'm gonna move on into the meat of this episode, which is something that was requested by my friend, John Hayes. Hi, John. Other John, I know like 12 Johns, it gets confusing real quick, real, real, real quick, real quack, real quick. So if, uh, there's a reason I call everyone I know by their first and last names in podcast form, because I know like, I actually, I know seven Morgans and approximately 12 Johns, and those are just the two people whose names I've mentioned this episode. I only know one anomalous though, so that's nice. That makes things easier. So, um, this is a topic that is going to be less prickly than the Rune 1, Rune 1, 2 episodes ago. Uh, I'm not sorry about my rant. I like to be loud. I like to be angry. Things piss me off. Deal with it. Though I'm kind of proud of that rant. It was fairly well put together. Uh, this episode is about Reiki, a pseudoscientific piece of meditative medicine, I suppose one could call it, uh, that was invented in Japan um, in 1922 by Mikau Ushui, uh, which I think is probably the first piece of, like, not insult information I'm going to give about Reiki. It's a- It was actually invented by a Japanese person. It wasn't, like, a lot of quote-unquote Far Eastern things in the U.S. that were invented by white people. And then they said, no, no, this one wise person who you can't look up because they're super dead, or I met them in the spirit realm, taught it to me. If somebody says that, politely walk away because they're awful um, and move on. Because no, they didn't. That's bullshit. And if they did, they probably, it wasn't meant to be 
spread. I'm going to paraphrase uh, Morgan Daimler here and say that a lot of messages that you get like that that are super out of character or are hard to prove like that are probably only meant for you. Like, if the Morgan battle queen of murder death times shows up to you in white like the Virgin Mary and tells you to hand out kittens and start campaigning for world peace, that's probably a you message. Or you somehow manage to confuse the Virgin Mary with fucking the Morgan. And if I, I have questions for you if you do that, but for serious, a lot of the times if you get a super out of character message from a god, it's either someone is playing a trick on you and they're being mean and it's okay to yell at them and maybe eat their heads. Um, the god is giving you a personalized message or your imagination is amazing and I wish I'd lived in your brain. That's probably what's happening. Those are the three things that are happening, probably, if you get a super out-of-character message. The Morgan is probably not going to tell you to go and tell everyone that she wants world peace. She's a war goddess. Eh. It's unlikely, is my point. So, um, anyway, Reiki, back to this topic at hand. I'm a little out of it, and if the sound quality suddenly changes or sounds super weird, that means I paused and decided to go to sleep for a little while before I continued on this extended rant, which is what every episode is. So, strap in. So, when I say Reiki is a pseudoscience, I do not mean it is a fake bad thing, because pseudoscience means that it is often touted as being a scientific thing and medicine, and it's not. Like, it's it's not medicine. It's purely magic um, and works a lot on something called the placebo effect. Now, before you type mean comments and give me bad thumbs down times, again, placebo does not mean fakey fake bad times. Placebo means something that works entirely on a psychological level. And if you think that things that work on a psychological level are purely fake, then um, I think you should probably talk to anyone who is currently trying to be a therapist, psychiatrist, psychologist, or counselor, because they will set you straight. Just because it's in your head doesn't mean it's not real. I mean, depression is real and a thing. Why isn't the placebo effect? It's pretty easy to go through. The placebo effect is a very valuable piece of medicine, honestly. Um, Because for some reason, and I don't know why there have been there are studies going on now to try and figure out why this is. We're not actually really sure. But for some reason, if you think you are being treated or you think something will help make you better, it can help make you better if used in conjunction with actual fucking medicine. That's why things like faith healing work great if you are also getting chemo. It can make it easier for your body to process the harsh and painful medication, either actually literally on a physical level or just in your brain. And that's really important because there is some, you know, documented senses and accounts of people giving up and dying. That happens. If you give up on getting better, your body sometimes tends to fail no matter how good medicine is and vice versa. And that's not to say that the placebo effect will save you every time, but it can be a little bit of help. I mean, it's, it's a plus one to healing, when you are fighting the biggest fucking big bad in the world. It's not gonna, you know, repair you all on its own, is my point. Which is kind of how Reiki works. And Reiki does not fit into the normal category of folk healing, where it's something necessary like um, a medicine man would do to you, or your local 
um, witch shaman type person. And I know I'm being, that's way too broad a categorization, which shaman type person is. Shaman is a very specific type of thing that mostly exists uh, in the South Americas, parts of Asia, and certain parts of Africa. Lots of places don't have shamans. That's just a word that gets used too vaguely. And I'm using it vaguely here. That is a topic for another episode. <laughs> Moving on. So, but Reiki doesn't fall in that category because it's too new. This is almost the theme of the show. Some things are too new to be categorized as being old. That seems like a really simple idea, but it's one that makes a lot of people really, really angry because if it's not old, then you can't pretend that it's something with really deep roots and a lot of cultural significance. Reiki is not that. Reiki is super new. Reiki is like less than a century old by a very small bit. It's, yeah, yeah, I think in about, what, four years it'll officially be 100 years old, but that means it didn't have time to settle into the cultural zeitgeist like, I don't know, the practice of a mudang in Korea, or a Shinto priest, that, like things that Shinto priests do that have been, that have been in existence for over a thousand years, They're, that are literally ten times and more, like, ha are, are ten times older and more than Reiki is if you catch my drift. And that doesn't mean it doesn't work, but it means it works different. It works like the whole crystal thing. Crystal healing is relatively new if you're not powdering those crystals to put in medicine. Like put, putting a crystal on a human person body and having it do a thing, question mark, that's part of the placebo thing. And it might be doing something for you magically, sure, I can't, no one can prove or disprove that. No one can prove or disprove that chi can help you heal, but it can't help by itself if you catch my drift. Um, so that is kind of the broader history of Reiki. Now, what is Reiki? So as far as I've been able to understand, I have a lot of trouble understanding Reiki and how it works. And there's a lot, probably a lot of reasons behind that. But for now, we're going to say I haven't researched enough. We're going to go with that. Um, and I may go back and delete this after I've read yet more. I have some books coming in the mail because I'm curious about it. Not because I want to take part, but because I want to know about anything new, basically. I'd like to know about everything because then I can argue more effectively my points later on the line and depending on how things go. Um, but as far as I can tell, the idea of Reiki is you, it, it's a lot like, like evangelical spirit healing, if anyone's, been, or like faith healing, where you literally lay hands on a person and kind of move the energy around in their bodies. And any of you who remember my energy work rant from earlier in the series know kind of how I feel about the whole energy work thing. I don't discount it, but I do something different and it works better for me and for other people and does different things. And there's a lot of, you know, touching and moving and this is really not for me. I don't even like to touch people who are my friends. Um... And it has to do with moving the universal life force, for, life force quote unquote, chi energy around um, in the body to try and heal injuries. So um, I can already hear some keyboards clacking in the distance about um, different uh, scientific studies and whatnot that may or may not have proved that chi is a thing that helps. Most studies involving Reiki have had some kind of flaw because a lot of them were either performed by people who wanted to assume it wouldn't work or people who assumed it would. This is an issue with science because those are severe biases that can make you warp the data. 
And that means neither set of study is really valid, if you get what I'm saying. Like, to get a really good, I suppose, read on whether or not Reiki healing works, you'd have to get someone, like a fully agnostic team of people, to study it in a way so that the red data wouldn't be warped. And also because this is such a new thing and a lot of practitioners have different ideas of what works and what doesn't, and I think the guy who invented it is dead now. Like, there's... Yeah, he died... Wow, he died at age 60 of a stroke. That's, oh, four years after the Reiki thing was officially invented. All right, cool. Um, Take from that what you will. I'm not going to speak on the fact that the guy who did the life energy thing died at 60 of a stroke. So, I mean, that's what I mean, is this is... It's a thing that sure exists, and it could it can help people feasibly, but it is in no way, shape, or form a replacement for any kind of physical or mental malady. If you have depression, please go see a doctor. Don't just go see a Reiki specialist. If you're having strokes, go see a doctor. Don't go do don't just go do yoga, and maybe don't do yoga at all because that might trigger a stroke, depending on what the kind of what your triggers for strokes are. Maybe don't do heated yoga if you take strokes. I'm not a doctor. Ask yours. See my point? So, Reiki, it's a thing for moving energy in the body to try and heal people, and it's extremely new, and there's nothing wrong with it, but it is in no way, shape, or form a replacement for medication, and there's a lot of people who say it is. So if you or a loved one are trying to replace any kind of medical care with Reiki healing, fucking stop it and go see a doctor. Please, for the love of God, go see a doctor. And vaccinate your kids while you're at it. Flu season's coming up. Make sure you keep up with your flu vaccinations because the flu mutates quickly and that's a bad thing. And if you don't get your yearly shot, then you can actually help it mutate and become a host for the flu so that we'll survive for another year. Please, for the love of God, get vaccinated for the flu unless you have some kind of like actual debilitating medical illness. I am a huge proponent of being vaccinated. Go get fucking vaccinated, please. All right, well, that's my tirade for the episode. I'm going to take a pause, and I'll come back tomorrow morning with more rants, like somewhere between 10 and 20 minutes, probably. We'll see. All right, I am back and recording, and all those wonderful things. I had a nap, I'm feeling better, and I'm fed. Uh, So, um, I felt a little bad not remembering... The name of the person who taught a really cool class at um, Mystic South, and I looked her up. Um, the astrophysicist who taught an amazing class on um, like weather patterns and the science behind things like Red Sky at Night, Sailor's Delight, which, by the way, um, that sentence is the opposite in the South because of the way uh, the atmosphere works. Her name is Deborah Burris. That's B-U-R-R-I-S. Uh, and she has an Instagram account called DocFireWoman, D-O-C-F-I-R-E-W-O-M-A-N. And from there, you can get a link to her YouTube channel, Buckthorn Farm. She has a podcast. Um, she talks about farming and astrophysics and witchcraft. And she's a really, really cool, like, altogether, life goals kind of amazing-ass lady. Um, so 1010 would recommend looking her up. She's super cool, especially if you're into things like homesteading, ranching, and the relationship of paganism to science if you have problems reconciling your, like, love of physics, astrophysics, chemistry, whatever, with being a witchy type. Like, she manages that in spades, as far as I can tell. 
And she's really cool and open about stuff. And I find her YouTube channel super valuable. And she reminds me a lot of my mom, I'll be honest, uh, who's a really cool, like, farmy type lady. Oh, ooh, pardon me. Um, so, um, I don't have a lot more to say on the topic of Reiki apart from if you want to learn Reiki healing, um, look at the credentials of your school because we know the names of most of the people who um, learned Reiki uh, from Mikai Ushui. So if whoever is teaching you is not willing to say that they're related to Makao Ushui in any way, um, maybe avoid them and look for some other methods for learning. Uh, and, and think about why whatever school you're in is saying that that's not where it's from. Uh, and Mako Ushui said that um, his information for this kind of healing came from a tantric Buddhist text, um, ten, uh, which and originally with a Gautama Buddha, and seems to have something to do with the idea that like the touch of the divine can heal people if you look far enough. Um, the book specifically for Reiki, where um, uh, Gautama got their information, is called Tantra of the Lightning Flash. I'm sorry, Mikao Ushui. Um, there's a bunch of people. Who, I've been reading a lot of Japanese names and I'm afraid they're starting to blend together because it's two in the morning. I keep recording at two in the morning. Gotta stop doing that. So, um, long story short, Reiki is new. You can definitely trace its origins and read the information that came to it existing. If someone is claiming to teach Reiki in a school, find out which of the people related to, like, what um, Reiki lineage they're related to, and go from there, honestly. Like, do your research. Um, this is one of those cases where it's a lot easier to do your research than normal. You have to do a lot less digging because there is a direct line of originator, teachers, people who learn from those teachers, etc. Like, that's... It's, this is one of the easier places to go from there. As far as I can tell, I am I have been known to be wrong sometimes. But, you know, this, is, this isn't this is as hard as it could be, thank goodness. Um, moving on. Um, I really want to just yell about Mystic South for a minute and how wonderful it was. And I would like to start with this, this time's favorite thing. Um, so, I met a lot of super cool people. And I promised I'd give this a shout-out because I love it. It is a... Very natural cosmetics brand that I ran into. No sponsor, by the way. It's just a thing I thought was cool. Uh, called Wild Autumn. That's W-I-L-D-E-A-U-T-U-M-N. Wild Autumn Apothecary. Uh, and they make really nice hypoallergenic skin products. And the people involved in making it actually know their shit. Um, I have super sensitive skin. And I got, like, their tonic water and uh, scrub and things like that. And my skin breaks out if you whisper on it in the wrong way and hasn't happened. Um, and they're very open about what goes into their stuff and how to preserve it. I ask a bunch of questions about temperature and things. And the Wild Apothecary people were super cool about um, whether or not what they were providing um, was good for your skin or not. And I bought a lot of cool things, met a lot of cool vendors and uh, I'm going to be, those are going to be my favorite things for the next little while are vendors I met at Mystic South who I want to give shout outs to. I don't want to crowd them all in one video. I kind of want to draw them out because one, that's fun. And two, I'm still trying things out. And if like something gives me a horrible rash or the people end up being like racist or something, I don't think any of y'all are, but just in case, you know how it goes. If someone ends up being awful, I don't want to have accidentally given them a shout out. 
so early on. But the Wild Apothecary people seem cool. I've tried a bunch of their stuff out already, and it's been great. 10, 10 recommend. Um, I think if you Google them, they pop up. Um, I believe they have an Etsy. I may be wrong. Um, but if you look up Wild Apothecary, um, I mean, yeah, Wild Autumn Apothecary, um, they should pop up eventually. So really, really good stuff. Um, a lot of their stuff, it, it's, it's all organic and nice and handmade. So there, little tiny, tiny Mystic South rant in favorite things. Hi y'all, by the way, if you're listening. Um, this is probably gonna be a shorter episode, by the way, cause I'm super tired. Uh, and I got a lot of stuff coming up with school, but I promise we're gonna have longer episodes in the future. This one is just like, we're back to this kind of half hour format temporarily. I've probably got about 10 or so minutes left. So I'm going to talk about a novel I read because I'm also going to review and read some books I picked up at Mystic South. Um, I'm going to wait for some papers to be published. So I'm going to get a lot of content out of this conference for a while. But the book that I read that I really fell in love with is a piece of fiction because I really needed some fiction. The world is kind of difficult and this was amazing. Um, it is called Spinning Silver by Naomi Novik, who wrote one of my favorite adaptations of Beauty and the Beast called Uprooted. This is a kind of story I've been wanting to happen for a super long time, and it is Angry Jewish Girl versus Fairies, and oh my god, it's amazing. Um, it's great. It is told in a really interesting format with six points of view um, and a few title characters, and I'm terrible at remembering character names, but there is the main character who is a Jewish girl, um, and I really like this because the world, it's a fictionalized version of Russia, but there are still Jewish people in this universe, and Naomi Novik, I believe her father was a Lithuanian, Jew a Lithuanian or Estonian Jewish man, and her mother was Polish, and it's really nice to have Jewish main characters in stories without it being pity poor them, without it being othering. Like, this does not read in a condescending way. It doesn't read like she's tippy-toeing around any topics. This is a story about Judaism, and a lot of plot points come up in the uh, Goyim's storylines and plot points that come up again later in Jewish plot points, um, one that won't be too spoilery uh, involves the sieging of a city. The baron of a city mentions to his daughter that when he sieged the city and took it over, a tunnel was found near the Jewish quarter running under an old tower. Later on in the story, the grandfather of the Jewish main character tells her, we have a tunnel running from underneath, from near the synagogue, under and out of the city, just in case. And it's really wonderful and jarring when those instances happen, because it reminds, I think, a lot of people, me included, because I'm, I'm not Jewish, but I grew up um, with family members who were Jewish, and we were very close to some Jewish people growing up, so a lot of issues of Judaism have like been around me a lot, but I didn't get to experience a lot of it. But the that kind of like jarring, like rattling moment that happens a lot where there is usually a reason for things like escape hatches being in Jewish homes. Uh, ha ha ha. And they don't, the book doesn't shy away from saying things like this happened and they blamed the Jewish people in that area for it. And now that area has no Jewish people. And that a lot of things that get brushed off as, oh, it's just a tunnel. So someone was smuggling are actually that tunnel 
goes from the Jewish quarter out of the city by like a mile. There's a reason for that. Of course, there's a reason for that that you wouldn't think of until it's said by a Jewish person. And it's, yeah, it's it's reminding, I suppose, people of the way they think about the world, that there are subsets of people who are oppressed in really specific and systematic ways, so much so that when they move to a city, a city that is theirs for centuries, yeah, there's going to be at least one escape tunnel just in case something happens like last time or like in my cousin's town or like in my friend of a friend's town. And Jewish culture exists so much. Like this this Jewish girl is spirited away to fairy and still manages to keep Seder, bullies a fairy into giving her a mirror into the human world so she can keep Seder. Like this matters. Oh, sorry, keep Shabbat. Sorry, Seder is different from the Shabbat. She can keep the Friday Shabbat thing. And it's really cool, and watching this girl keep her heritage throughout this thing, keep something culturally important to her, keep Shabbat, and keep kosher in fairy is amazing, and still demanding to be somebody. And also, there's also a character who's abused and learns to be affectionate from the mother of the Jewish character, learns what a happy family is from the Jewish character, because she has the Jewish character has really loving parents. Um, her mother and father love her very much and have a very happy marriage and adore each other and have a huge loving families. And a goy, a character who is a goy, um, learns how to love her siblings after having been taught by her physically and verbally abusive father to only care about her own survival because he beats them from Jewish characters by observing that they're loving. And it's really cool because I don't see you don't see that a whole lot in fiction. See Jewish characters, parents, siblings, children, main characters actually come from communities and have community be a really huge part of the plot point. And that's true in this book. So I highly recommend it. It's magic, there's fairies, it's Russia. It's amazing. If you like fairies, you'll like this. I think it does, unfortunately, um, fall into some weird fairy tropes, but there isn't a winter court. There's fairies are winter creatures in this universe. There isn't like a winter and a summer court. It doesn't like take the wind out of the sails of the fact that the the traditional thing that fairies are sealy and unsealy. By the way, Morgan Daimler has some really good talks and information about where Seely and Unseely come, can't comes from. It's a Scottish thing, one. And Unseely wasn't a word used in texts until the 18th century, I think she said. I'll check my notes later, and if I'm wrong, I'll add an addendum. I think if I remember. I'll do housekeeping at the end of the at the end at, during next episode if I'm wrong. I'll do that. That'll be easy. Um, and fairies are kind of just a magic people living elsewhere with different rules. Um, so they're not exactly fairies. And the fit rude fairy isn't used. There's a Russian-y word that they use. They're, all li they're a lot more like the Holdra folk in um, Scandinavian folklore, and I love that. It's really cool. Again, she's Naomi Novak is using systems that aren't used a lot and folklore that's not used a lot and a culture that isn't used a lot to build a story that's really interesting. I will say heads up, there is anti-Semitism in this book. The book is not anti-Semitic. There are anti-Semitic characters, and there's a lot of them because this is a fairly accurate portrayal of the way Jewish people were treated in the 16 and 1700s in the world, and it's really sad, and it hurts your soul. But 
Naomi knows what she's doing. It isn't unnecessarily violent beyond what would actually be happening. Um, and I don't relish that at all. It's really upsetting. And, but it, it's the kind of fiction where I appreciate that the people who exist in this world are Jewish people because a lot of fiction doesn't recognize Jewish people actively. Like you have, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of the time in fiction, there's metaphors for Jewish oppression and the Holocaust and things like that. And it's really kind of upsetting. This is just Jewish people. They're real. Story now. And it's cool. And it brings up things that a Goyish audience might not consider when they're thinking about Judaism and oppression and the systematic ideas that go with being a hunted people. Yeah, so. Spinning Silver, go read it. It's fucking amazing. Um, and it, if you are a fan of Uprooted, this story is a lot more painful than the first one. Um... But it is as good, if not better, honestly. And I would I would count up rooted in one of my top ten books. And if you have a 16, 17-year-old who likes fantasy stories, um, give them Spinning Silver. It's really good. And I think it, it contains a lot of good ideas that young readers could benefit from. All right, that's my book review. Um, again, this was a little shorter than usual, and I'm sorry. I will be longer next week when I no longer feel like I'm being stabbed in the abdomen. We'll work on it later. Um, as per usual, if you have uh, questions, comments, concerns, corrections, uh, send me an email at thehornedwitch at gmail.com. Uh, if, you fr- if you're friends with me on Facebook, please send me a thing. And if there's something that I touched on today that you want to hear more about, let me know. Um, I said I would talk more about the people I said at the beginning of the episode today, but instead what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about each of those people, um, Dorian Ni- Morgan Neimler, John Beckett, uh, the Thracian, etc. in other episodes, if they're okay with it, if it pops up and they think it's weird, I won't. So heads up y'all, I'll ask first. But, um, because these are each of these, these, each of these people are interesting in their own right with good and interesting books and works in their own right that I could review. I'm going to do that because otherwise this episode will be three hours long. Fun as that would be, I kind of want to draw it out because time. Also, uh, I have a Patreon, which I think I talk about at the end of the episode. I'm the horned witch on Patreon. And I, there's a thing that happened that a few of you noticed where the first two episodes of my podcast suddenly disappeared from iTunes and SoundCloud. That is because I had to upgrade to SoundCloud Pro, which is $16 a month. And I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but if 16 of you would like give me a dollar a month, I'd appreciate it just to make that a little easier. And that's like a little more food or one more book I can buy to read and college, I'm in college uh, I'm a college student, and my book bills are very high this month. So please, if even a few of you can give me a dollar, I would appreciate it just to make it easier to run this channel by a little bit. Um, no pressure, but I would appreciate it. All right, that's why this is going at the end. I'm going to go to bed um, and moan in pain in my bed and hope that the bad tummy feelings go away in about three or four days. Um, this episode structure is terrible, and I'm sorry. We'll work on it. It'll be better in two weeks, I promise. All right, I'm gonna go to bed. Bye, everybody! Thank you to everyone for listening. The music at the beginning and ending of the podcast is here courtesy of www.purpleplanetmusic.com. Have a question, comment, or concern? Want to ask something for the podcast? Find something I got wrong? Shoot me an email at thehornwitch at gmail.com. Message me on Tumblr at thehornwitch.tumblr.com. Or follow me on Twitter at thesleepywitch. Like me enough to throw money at me? Do so at www.patreon.com slash thehornedwitch. Thanks again for listening, y'all. Bye!